Welcome to another episode of Channel with a Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. When it comes to corporate America, does hard work pay off? And the answer is, it depends on the company and their respective culture. If you're working in a good work culture, then a combination of doing good work along with building relationships within that company will help elevate your career. If you are working in a bad work culture, not only do you not get rewarded for doing good work, you'll also get being taken advantage of, where the company will pile on more additional responsibilities at the same pay. It's unfortunate that there are companies out there that take advantage of their employees, making them work extra hours, piling on more responsibilities, and giving them false promises. My guest for this episode had experienced this at one of her previous companies. She was wearing too many hats and was getting paid pennies. And she was gracious enough to come on this episode and share her story so people who are listening right now can see signs of a toxic work culture so you can avoid being taken advantage of by your employer. Her name is Nicole Harrop. And she is a women's leadership and career coach, helping women get promoted at work. In her work, she helps women to create a foundation of leadership in the workplace using her five core areas of coaching, including confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, and networking to help them on their way to getting promoted. She also has a podcast of her own called Next Level Leaders. Now let's get into my discussion with Nicole on how she was wearing too many hats and getting paid pennies. So you can see the signs in your workplace so you don't get taken advantage of as well. Good afternoon, Nicole. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Max. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, we'll start us off with this question. So does hard work pay off? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I do think hard work pays off. I think it's a matter of being smart about how you're approaching your work Uh, because some people work hard and they work hard for their whole lives. You see that with some of the older generation who kind of just do the same thing over and over again, and that's hard work. Uh, But it's also important to be smart and how can you utilize your resources? And as I've grown in my career, the more that I find that I can utilize other people and their strengths and let them show their leadership it's also showing my ability to delegate. And that was something that was really hard for me when I first started becoming into these leadership positions was like, I felt like I had to do all the things by myself to look like I was a good leader. But then I started to realize with some mentorship from great leaders that it's okay to delegate and find other people who are hungry to show that they also want to grow and learn in their career as well. Yeah, I think the big issue when it comes to as you grow in your career, you get more responsibility, but you believe that you you feel that you have to do a lot of it on your own. But when you get to Mm -hmm. a higher level, you, you are a manager and managing other people. So it's all about the delegation at that point, right? Yeah, it, it definitely can be. And it's smart about how you're delegating that, how you're communicating the delegation. You don't necessarily want to be seen as the leader who 
delegates absolutely everything and doesn't have any responsibility. So there is a little bit of a fine line between that. But yes, it's understanding where different people's strengths are. There are certainly areas that I would consider potential opportunities for me to get better at. But then I think, is that the best use of my time? Or can I utilize someone else who's really great at that already and then still stay in kind of my area of genius or zone of genius or what have you? Uh, Because I find that most people who are running into more of that burnout are doing things that they can do, but they don't necessarily like to do. Uh, So those are the things I try to uh, end up delegating at some point if if I can. A common mistake a lot of professionals make when they go from individual contributor to a management role is that they end up still doing everything and they're not relying on their team. It's also the fear of letting things go. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what is some of your advice and recommendations on how to be a smarter manager and be willing to let stuff that you used to do delegate to some of your team members? Yeah, that was honestly probably my hardest transition from going from a team member to a team leader. That was my first uh, promotion. I worked at a call center uh, and managed 25 people uh, and I reported to a manager as well. But that was really hard figuring out, okay, I need to do all of these things. I had 25 team members, which I don't think is a healthy number of people to manage in the first place, depending on what your company's goals and metrics are. If you're looking for that one-on-one time with your team members, having 25 team members, especially in that new hire phase, I always, I'm a leader of new hires and new team members. That's where I love being is teaching and showing people how to do things better and smarter. Uh, But yeah, it's, when you're, when you have that many people, it's hard to give that individual attention and feel like you're making good progress in as far as coaching them goes. Uh, but yeah, I think it's helpful to take kind of an inventory of all of your tasks. Uh, and this is something I recommend a lot on my own podcast and website of having a work journal is, uh, understanding what your tasks are in any given role, whether you're a leader or you're a team member, uh, you can still be a leader of your team, uh, without the actual title in your name. Uh, that's where you want to be in that sweet spot before getting promoted. And you're writing, a, a task list essentially of what you do and figuring out what do I really like to do and what do I not like to do and figuring out how can I offload some of that and maybe uh, share some of the success with other leaders uh, working together. And that's what is the smarter working, right? Uh, I've worked with past team team members who uh, they work so many hours or you see them sitting at their desk for so long during a day. And then you recognize they've been working on one issue for trying to figure it out on their own without asking for help. And uh, I always put myself in the position of, would I want my leader to struggle alone without asking for help? Or what if I could help them, even though I'm at a technically lower level, if I can help them to get something done faster or quicker, uh, I would love that opportunity. So that's kind of the mindset I go into it as. I would want to know if someone needed help and if I could help them, why not do that uh, versus having someone basically struggle and look like they're doing a great job because they're sitting at their desk for like 10 hours in a day or something. I don't think that's smart. People still perceive help in the workplace as a sign of weakness. So how do you try to get rid of that mindset? Yeah, great question. I love that, Max. So 
when you're thinking of help and I go through these phases myself, I've done leadership coaching for several years now. I've been in different leadership positions for over 10 years as well. And it can be hard asking for help. I've been in a new position in my, in my career right now for a few months as well and kind of recognizing where you're at. Uh, I love one of my um, other leaders of another company mentions the saying of, I don't know what I don't know. And when you're new in a company, you're in that phase of, I don't even know what question to ask because I am trying to learn and take in all the content and I don't know what to even ask. So then you feel really dumb, right? But that's normal. And uh, it's one of those things where I hate being in that position because I love being a person of knowledge and being able to tell everyone exactly where to go on something. But it's also humbling for me to be in that position because then I know how other people are going to feel when they go through it as well. When I hire more team members for my own team, what is that going to look like and feel like for them? So I think of help is would I want to offer someone help um, if they were struggling? Most likely the answer is yes. If you work in a great environment where it's not a lot of office politics, uh, you're going to want to be able to offer help and receive that in return. So I think the best way to go about that is by building relationships in the workplace and uh, figuring out where people do need that help or saying, hey, I'm really great at process improvement. That's one of my superpowers. So I will say, hey, if you get a process kind of outlined and uh, thinking of what you want it to look like, then I can come in and I can help you uh, make it even better. Take it to that next level of uh, next level of iteration to where it will look really great and run even better or more efficiently. Uh, so sharing what your strengths are and willingly saying, I can help you on these things if you ever run into it. And then just keeping that constant communication to check in with people when you recognize they might need some help. And speaking of help, which is a good segue, sometimes mm -hmm. when it comes to the political environment of the workplace, executives or hires might take advantage of your helpfulness, which leads me to my main topic of discussion with you today, Nicole, is that your experience wearing too many hats in one position mm -hmm. and getting paid pennies. So mm -hmm. let's start off from the beginning of this opportunity that you got when this all started. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I love talking about this topic because it's so important, especially for women in the workplace, advocating for what your worth is and recognizing what that is and how to put that in a in a conversation to ask for it. And because I've gone through my own struggles, I'm definitely more empathetic to people who've gone through it. So in my experience for this example of a company, I had just had my first daughter and uh, I was, like I said, I had done different leadership positions uh, for about six years, uh, almost seven years at that time. And I was taking a little bit of a break from the full-time corporate world. Uh, so uh, one of my previous bosses actually reached out to me while I had this three-week-old baby in my arms. And he said, hey, are you wanting to do some extra work right now uh, while you have your no newborn at home? I said, I would be open to it. You know, I'm always open to new ideas and um, new adventures. So he said, uh, I've got this friend who is a um, founder of a company and he's still pretty small and he needs some help with some of his customer service uh, responding on Facebook or responding via email. I said, great, I'd be happy to. So that introduction was from a leader of the company. I had just quit after having my daughter and then um, he introduced me to this new founder. So I had a conversation actually with the founder's wife. I didn't even meet the founder yet. Uh, and 
I had, I brought my daughter like over to their house. They lived nearby. So, uh, we had a conversation. She was like, you sound great. We're going to hire you. It was really like low risk for them because it was customer service. It wasn't that much per hour. I honestly think I was doing it for like $12 an hour to start. Uh, but I was like, Hey, it's something I can do when my daughter is sleeping or, you know, newborn sleep so much during the day. If I wasn't tired, I could hop on and help with some of these emails. Uh, so that's how I got introduced to the company initially and had a very low expectation of what I would be doing. And how did you start evolving and getting more responsibilities uh, at this company? Sure. So because of my experience in other uh, companies and uh, what I've done in other leadership positions, as we were continuing to grow and I was managing the customer service uh, inbox and some of the Facebook messaging as well. Uh, the team started to grow and um, this company was a luxury leather goods company and we were going to be opening up a store in a local mall. So uh, then they said, hey, do you have any interest? Uh, it was always like, hey, do you have interest in doing these things, taking this on? Uh, and I usually said, yeah, I'd be interested. Uh, there wasn't talk at that time of higher pay, but it was saying, hey, as we start to ramp up, we will renegotiate this. And I think that is a big uh, kind of not necessarily a red flag, but a flag of sorts uh, for people to look out for when they're saying, hey, do you want to take on these extra roles? I already knew my worth. I already knew that I've I've known how to do all these other things for several years. So it wasn't a matter of, oh, do I deserve this? Like I knew I did. But at the time, it was so flexible for my schedule that I was like, whatever, it works for now. It's something fun that is that I enjoy doing at the time. So I started taking on more responsibilities of helping, gosh, we would sort product at their actual house. We got these huge imports um, that we'd have to go through and do sorting. So sometimes I'd bring my daughter up for that. Uh, I helped with training. I helped with hiring when we were hiring for whatever position it was, because again, my experience previous to that, I'd had a lot of experience in in interviewing, hiring, writing job descriptions. Uh, so they utilized me for that. Onboarding for any type of employees, sending their paperwork, getting their equipment ordered or set up, um, which was another funny thing because I worked off of this like 13 or not even a 13, it was an 11 inch MacBook, like this tiny little MacBook. Everyone else in the company got their own computer, uh, but I was always working off of these different loaners or at one point working off of my own personal laptop. Uh, so that was kind of interesting to me as well that it always got pushed off that if I like, oh, you have your own personal laptop? Well, most people do, but um, I apparently was the one that had to work on my own personal laptop. Uh, so I was managing customer support the whole time. Uh, I helped hire and train a sales team, uh, which I had not done for a retail store. Most of my uh, customer service has been in call centers. Uh, so that was kind of a different um, avenue of teaching and helping hold people accountable to actually showing up. Uh, if someone didn't show up for their shift, like we could get huge fines in the mall for not being having our doors uh, unlocked, the security guards would come by and physically like tug on our doors. And if they weren't open, we could get fined for that. And I had some issues with some employees there. Uh, so it was always kind of being on call to a degree for these different things. Um, but yeah, I had so many different roles at one point and, uh, was realizing I, I had gotten a bonus at one point and a little bit of a raise as well. But 
you know, it, it wasn't what I was valued at, um, for my own self. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience for sometimes my own lack of not speaking up more for what I deserved, uh, and continue to teach other women in the workplace to do. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I got to. So I guess I'll see what questions you have from here. Yeah. So one question is, you said that when someone says, oh, we can renegotiate your pay after a certain period of time, after you do these assignments, why did you say that was a red flag? Yes. I think it's a red flag because when you're getting new, it's just like if you get a new promotion and you're taking on all these additional tasks ongoing, to me, that should signify a raise. Uh, of some sort, or maybe if it's a project, that's what I recommend to my clients as well is, is asking for some sort of a bonus. And that sometimes is after the fact, uh, if you're doing a project for a short period of time, but where we were having this, this store come into the mall, I did get a small pay raise for that. Uh, but again, I think I could have advocated for more. And in my head, uh, I kept telling myself the reason why I wasn't advocating for more was because it was very flexible for my schedule for having my daughter. And uh, I think that was where I maybe wasn't advocating enough is because I was justifying, oh, well, because I have a daughter, like I'm an inconvenience if I ask for more or if I need to drop my daughter off at daycare later one day or pick her up sooner one day. I kind of justified not getting paid more because my schedule was flexible, but it would have been flexible regardless. So that's why I think I I could have certainly spoke up a little bit more and at least felt better if I got turned down for a higher raise, but at least advocated for that. So if it's something that's going to be ongoing that you're going to be taking on, I would certainly ask why they wouldn't um, give you a pay increase at that time. If it's for, hey, let's see how your performance does for, you know, three months. Great. Let's figure out a timeline of when you're going to have that conversation and get it on your calendar. A big fear that a lot of professionals have, especially young professionals, is that they want to be people pleasers. So when they give you more responsibilities, it's hard for them to say no because it makes them look like they're not a team player. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. And that's something I think we all struggle with in the workplace. Uh, I was talking with someone not too long ago and it was so interesting. She talked about how she took on all these extra responsibilities as she grew in her career. And then at one point she was feeling a little bit burnt out, but she was getting all of these additional things put on her plate uh, without them renegotiating or uh, evaluating where her, what was all on her plate and maybe what she could then delegate uh, it was just piled on, piled on, piled on, and she's expected to do all these things. Well, then she got rated with a lower rating on her uh, yearly review of a like needs improvement score. And she said that was gut-wrenching. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, that is exactly it. That people, that these leaders are sometimes unknowingly adding a lot onto team members plates because, Hey, this comes up. Oh, we need to take this on. Oh, this came up. Oh, so-and-so can do it. Oh, this is coming up. Oh, this person can do it. And sometimes the leaders by no fault of their own at sometimes don't realize the work that's being put on your plate. And that is something that one of our uh, mentors for that particular job I'm talking about told me, he said, Hey, your founder 
is not aware of all the things that he's expecting you to do in a day-to-day, in a week-to-week, in a month-to-month. So you have to like write that down so that they can see all the things that you're doing and why you're not getting all of those things done. So if you're reaching that point of burnout, this is exactly why you want to write down those things, whether it's projects that you've been working on, ongoing things. You write your job description from day one and your job description of what you're doing right now. And I bet it's so different, uh, even if a year's gone by of the things that you're taking on. And that's why you should get more than just a cost of living wage. And if you're getting a uh, an increase, ask, is this a cost of living increase pay? Or is this based on the additional skills uh, and things that I'm taking on? Because I would like that to be considered as well. And it's oh, it never hurts to at least ask for that. But um, that's where I think it's important because if you are, there's a couple of different ways. If you are taking on more because you're in an entry-level position and you want to show that I want to move into a leadership role, that's what I did when I was working in um, a call center here locally in Salt Lake City. I took on all that I could from my team leader who was above me. I said, let me do all the reporting that I can. Let me pull up all of these um, survey scores and share that feedback with the team. What else can I do that um, that will be able for me to be done at this stage and prove that I can move into these different areas and be a leader. Uh, that what wouldn't necessarily warrant a raise because I was taking that on because I wanted to show that I could operate in a leadership kind of um, status. That paid off when I got promoted into that leadership position. But it's when uh, people are taking on all of these additional tasks in a leadership position or even in an entry-level type role and not getting compensated or not getting promoted, that is when it's worth having a conversation uh, for that increase. There's two difficult conversations, right? It's the asking for more compensation based off the additional responsibilities you'll be getting, as well as the difficult conversation of balancing your workload so you do have that work-life balance because some people lean too far right where they take on a lot of stuff and they're not mm-hmm. being compensated fairly and they're also not having that life outside of work. So what is some advice you can provide in terms of having these difficult conversations with your manager and potentially a higher executives at the company? Sure. Yeah. Again, this goes back to writing it all down, especially for uh, the female audience tuning in, uh, or people who are more nervous to have these conversations, typically men are a little bit more bold to say, Hey, can I get a raise? Uh, and sometimes that answer real quick is, yeah, like I'll look into it. And it can be a simple conversation at times. Uh, but for my experience at uh, dealing with women, it's a little bit more of a self-worth or feeling like we don't deserve uh, what we actually do uh deserve. So that's where I say, write it down in black and white, writing down what your job description was when you got hired, uh, or write down what your expectations are. Um, what am I supposed to do in a day to day? Is there things that I do quarterly or what have you? Uh, and then writing down the things that you've taken on, on top of that. And I say that because if you're going to have a, a yearly review, even myself, I forget what I've done that was really great in the last three months, in the last six months, go back a whole year. Yeah, right. I can't remember all of the things that I've done if I'm not actively writing them down. 
who is keeping track of that? Maybe not your leader. Sometimes leaders can do a pretty good job of that, but not always. So take ownership of writing down what things you're working on. Uh, Was it a project that you helped out with? How long was that project? What did you specifically do? Uh, Writing these things down is super helpful for job interviews. Uh, It's helpful for you to understand where your strengths are. Oh, I've helped with these different projects and I've done similar things uh, in each of them. I didn't realize I was actually really good at X, Y, or Z. So uh, it's additional self-awareness of your own strengths and abilities And that's when you can go to your leader and have those conversations. Hey, it's been six months, a year, however long uh, since we've reconsidered my pay. How do we go about having a conversation around that? Uh, Having a good relationship with your direct leader is certainly helpful to say, hey, uh, I'd like to be considered for a raise. I've been keeping track of what I've been working on. Uh, Is there some time that we could discuss that in the next week or so? and follow up. Uh, Leaders get busy and sometimes they don't mean to push you aside. Follow up. Be assertive in that regard of having the conversation of what that would look like and have them advocate for you. Sometimes we forget as leaders that our teams deserve a pay increase uh, and it's not always on on the forefront of our minds of, oh yeah, I haven't, I haven't given this person a raise in X amount of time. We should reevaluate that. So that's why I want more people to advocate on their end, uh, why they need that. And, um, having those conversations is helpful and also having self-awareness of, you know, you don't just get a raise because you've been doing the bare minimum in your role for the last year. Like if that's the kind of person coming to me for a raise, I'll straight up say, What do you think you've done above and beyond your role that you deserve a raise? I'm happy to talk about it and we'll have that blunt conversation. Uh, But if you're not telling me that you're doing more than the bare minimum, then you're probably going to get the cost of living increase versus anything on top of that. Uh, So it's also having that awareness there as well to not be asking for something just because you've kept a seat warm at that company. When it comes to raises or promotions, it's always about documentation because, again, like you said, like managers are busy. They not not be aware of how much you've done. So by having mm-hmm. a record of all the stuff that you've done throughout the quarters and then present your case for that raise, you have a lot more data to support your case compared to just randomly asking for one, right? Because they might not know how much you've done because they're managing their own workload as well. Exactly. Especially in this virtual world, like my current leader, I meet with him once per week and sometimes we chat throughout the week, but he's got so many other things going on that I need to do my work to proactively say, hey, these are the things that I'm working on. These are the areas that I am doing well in. These are some roadblocks. Can you help me figure some of these things out? Asking for that help, for that guidance. Hey, who Who owns this that I can talk to? Uh, Having that communication is so important, Um, especially for where we're recording at this time of year and people coming up on uh, raises maybe closer to December or January. What you'll want to do is check in with your leader and say, hey, am I meeting your expectations for what you're looking for or what what the metrics are for the team. If you can even tell me what you're supposed to be doing, or uh, let's say customer satisfaction is something that's important to your company. Do you know what you're supposed to be uh, averaging 
where are you at with those stats and making sure that your leader knows where you're at with those as well. Likely they're going to have access to that reporting, but it's important to have the conversations because then what happens is if you say, Hey, are we on the same page? Am I doing everything that you want me to do? Is there anything you want me to be doing different or less of or more of and um, give them the opportunity to give that feedback? Well, when the time comes to do a review and let's say like the 360 platform is a popular one, if they're going through and they're saying, is there anything else that are they meeting expectations? Well, in their head, they're thinking, well, yeah, I told them that they were meeting my expectations. So I can't really grade them lower here if I've said that they're meeting my expectations. And then if if you're not, that's kind of on your leader to um, be better at communicating what what else they want from you in order to um, obtain a raise by the end of the year. And if you have a good enough conver- or, uh, relationship with your leader, I would straight up say it. Hey, I know that we're coming up for raises around uh, the beginning of the year. Is there anything else I could be doing more of or different or anything else you'd like to see for me so that I can be eligible for a raise at that time more than just a cost of living increase? And speaking of raises, you discussed uh, earlier that you got all these responsibilities at your past work and you mm-hmm. got a very menial raise. So how are you feeling and what were the next steps uh, after in terms of your progression in that company? Yeah, uh, honestly, once I got to a point where I was taking on so many things and feeling like, okay, at some point I am hoping for the best. I always hope for the best. And this was a newer company. I knew I was taking some risks where I was taking some uh, pay in equity. So I wasn't getting as much hourly. And I put that into equity into the company in hopes that, you know, the company would grow and I would get a return on that investment. Uh, That was a choice that I made, uh, which I later changed because I didn't know if things were going to be going as well. And for me and my family at the time, I said, hey, I'm going to need to get more money uh, hourly versus having it go into this potential kind of investment. So I did advocate for that change and they were able to do that for me. Uh, And then when I, so I was pregnant with my second daughter and uh, I was coming up on my maternity leave. Uh, Like there were times where the company, they, again, small team, but there, the entire office would come in and say, Hey, we're flying out of the country tomorrow. We're going to need you to like hold down the fort here in the office, uh, which meant that I had to do all of the um, order reviews. I had to check the emails to see if there were any changes on the orders. And then I had to go actually pick and pack the products in our actual uh, fulfillment area and then monogram them if there was a monogram and make sure that I wasn't having any mistakes there then uh, packaging them up and then driving them to uh, USPS and FedEx. Well, that happened when I was somewhere around 30 weeks pregnant, uh, which wasn't a big deal. I was having a great pregnancy and uh, I thought, okay, I'm about to go on maternity leave. I really don't know what the what they're going to do for me for maternity leave. They kept pushing me off for that conversation, which again, I felt devalued because of that. Uh, I wasn't worth the time to talk about this baby that was like I'd been brewing right for nine, for almost nine months. So uh, I that was a sign for me that like my integrity is huge. 
for me in a company that if I don't feel valued uh, and the work that I'm doing, and if I'm doing all of this stuff to, you know, make sure the company doesn't fall apart when they're gone, uh, I feel like the least that could happen is having a conversation around my maternity leave. Uh, so I didn't feel like I was asking for a lot by any means. And, uh, I was talking to my husband one night and I said, uh, because the founder and co-founder said, Hey, you know, we want to be able to give you a bonus. Uh, that's going to be a little bit different than anyone else would have if, you know, cause this is our maternity leave. We're going to have like a basic, um, maternity leave plan, but you're going to get something extra on top of that because, you've been such a hard worker for the last uh, couple of years. Uh, so I thought, great, that's awesome. I didn't like nothing was set in stone or uh, written down and emailed or communicated. It was all verbal communication. So I told my husband, I'm like, I'm just going to work really hard for the next couple of months or what have you until I'm about to pop with this baby. And uh, so I was you know, showing up at the post office and they'd run out to my car and they knew that I was super pregnant and couldn't carry these big boxes of uh, product, which was really sweet and helpful of them. Uh, But they'd always be like, where, where's your help, you know? And um, so we're going to this phase of getting um, my maternity leave figured out. And I, I finally had to put my foot down and say, I need to know what it's going to be. I'm due in two weeks. Uh, So we had the conversation And again, it was only because I was getting very stern by this point. I had great relationships with these gentlemen, so it wasn't a big deal for me to kind of say, hey, we need to have this conversation. So we have the conversation, uh, but again, it was, they, they kind of acted like they forgot that they were offering me more than the bare minimum. Uh, And that, that felt really bad for me. And at that point it was like, okay, I've done all of these things. I've had the founder tell me how important I am to the company uh, and all these things. I have I have actual notes of him writing me that the company wouldn't survive without me, all these things. So he was saying all the right things, but the pay was one issue. And then the maternity leave was honestly the last straw where I was like, I can't be a support to this company anymore if I can't be supported when I'm having a baby. Uh, for all the time that I've done uh, and given to this company in this last uh, couple of years. So that was really the last straw for me to realize I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. And uh, even for them to say, hey, so how much do you think you'll be able to uh, be online when you have have your daughter? Uh, Because that might adjust your maternity leave. And so even that, like that, I couldn't even be considered to take some time off, like serious, just not even log into the email, uh, take some time off. Uh, That's kind of what they were trying to leverage, like, oh, we'll we'll maybe give you a little bit more if you're willing to uh, be chatting with us basically when you're in the hospital. So Uh, that's when I recognized I need to get out of there. And no matter what I can do to advocate for what I need, and I had some serious conversations that I didn't agree with how they were going about things. Yeah, it just wasn't working out. I want to touch back on what you said earlier about how some of your conversation was on equity, right? So the Mm -hmm. idea is that if you work for a smaller company, and the company grows, then you would get paid back in that equity. So what's your thoughts on for professionals that are looking at smaller companies that have an equity portion part of their conversation, is that, do you think that that's a good idea or do you think it's better just to try to get full salary from these companies? You know, it totally depends on where you're at in your career and, you know, do you have a family? Do you have 
other means in the exact moment that you need that income uh, because that's where we got to a point where my income was so low with that company that uh, I needed even that additional couple dollars per hour taking that out of my equity and putting it into my um, my salary range was not a lot. It's definitely a choice that you make and I don't have any regrets of that money that I'm probably essentially losing at some point. Uh, I still have a great relationship with the founder of the company. We were texting the other day, you know, there, it was a hard time and I get that he couldn't do a lot financially. He was in a rock and a hard place that way. So I knew it, which is why I didn't always ask for a raise or didn't always ask because I, I saw the struggle of what the company was going through at that time. But, and that's what a lot of people have done through COVID is they think, oh, well, there, there's been a lot of layoffs. So if I ask for a raise, what if I get laid off? Uh, but it seemed to turn around a little bit to still ask, always at least say that I feel like I'm worth more. Uh, what does that look like? Maybe that's more PTO. Maybe that's other sort of avenues that the company can give you some flexibility. Maybe it's not pay. Maybe it's other avenues. Uh, maybe it's investment into your own leadership growth uh, for through different courses or what have you. So having those conversations, it doesn't always have to deal with monetary value, but it could deal with other things that you could have access to. Maybe that's flying out to uh, a company meeting and meeting more people uh, at, at another location, especially if you're virtual, getting that in-person time can be really helpful. Uh, if there's several people who work in like a headquarters office, um, but yeah, it's it's a matter of a personal decision at that time because I've worked for another startup where I got um I got stock with that company and that's something that they're continuing to grow and it's a, it was a great option for me to have as an addition to uh, my salary. So it's just a matter of figuring out what's going to be best for you and of course knowing that it's definitely a risk. Yeah, for sure and. You've decided that this company's uh, no longer for you. So tell mm -hmm. us more about your exit strategy and exit plan to get to the next opportunity uh, in your career. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was so frustrated in the moment uh, when the whole maternity leave conversation went down and I was told that like, basically I must be crazy and misheard what they had previously said because it was a verbal conversation. And that was really frustrating for me because I had built these relationships with these gentlemen over the years. So to be told, I don't know what the reasoning was for them to kind of go back on that additional bonus, but it was, it was hard for me because I was planning on, okay, I could potentially do this or that with this additional money that I was going to be getting. And then that didn't happen. So, um, that was frustrating for me. And in the moment I wanted to say, I'm not coming back at all. Uh, at one point they talked about a clawback, which is apparently a, a phrase that they can add into a maternity leave policy. So if you are starting at a company and you are even thinking about getting pregnant, uh, or if that could happen at some point, especially if you're a female, just read their maternity leave policy, uh, to understand it. Because if there's a clawback policy, they can essentially say, Hey, if we pay you X amount while you're on maternity leave, you have to come back after maternity and work X amount of time to uh, earn, like basically earn that amount uh, without having to pay it back. So it was basically saying if I had quit and not come back, technically they could come after me legally 
for the amount that they paid me during maternity leave. So it's helpful to know what your maternity leave uh, says if you're in that situation. But um, yeah, I really wanted to just say I'm done. I've given so much and you know how you've told me how valuable I am, but it's not, it's not coming through in these conversations. I'm feeling like I'm basically at the lowest of the low on your uh, totem pole. And so uh, I started thinking about, okay, what do I need to do to leave? And when I had a conversation with the CEO, I said, Hey, I don't think I want to come back full time after having my second daughter. I want, I enjoyed with my first daughter being at home for a year. And I said, I I don't think I can do this at home full time for a year based on what their needs were being in a physical uh, product uh, that they needed to ship out daily. So I said, Hey, if I can't work from home full time and make at least this amount of salary. So I was getting a little bit more stern. Uh, on what I deserved. I said, we need to figure out who's going to take over for me in these different tasks because I'm not going to do them when I come back from maternity leave. If I come back, it's going to be in this realm at like a lower capacity. So then they started talking about, okay, well, who do we need to hire to replace Nicole? Uh, And they started thinking of all these different job descriptions. And I told them, you know, hey, here's the list of what I do. And what I do ongoing, here's the different uh, tasks I have and projects I'm working on. And uh, this the next lap in the face was when they wanted to hire two additional people on top of me uh, to take over these different areas that I was helping with operations and hiring and all that kind of stuff. For each position that they wanted to post, they were both higher at the, like each of them individually were higher salary wise at a starting point than I had earned in almost two years of that company. So I had talked to one of my colleagues uh, who worked there and I was just like, man, do they, do they not realize how that hurts me when I see that I'm not worth that amount apparently, but they basically wanted to hire $120,000 worth of two employees. So that total salary between the two of them would have been 120,000 and I was making less than half of that. So that was a real kind of stab in the back or maybe a stab in the heart from the front. Uh, so that's when, again, I just, it was more, more, uh, confirmation that I needed to leave this company. And again, nothing against the founder. I think he's a great person. I think he wasn't doing the best for me that he could do at that time. And, you know, I've gotten over it at this point, but yes, definitely a rough patch of uh, my career path uh, so far. The common thing when it comes to like hiring is that usually the external professionals that come in, they tend to get paid more than the internals, right? So the internals, there's small cost of living raises, but then mm-hmm. the external one will get the bigger pay bump. So wh- why is that? Like, it's, it's always better to keep a happy employee than to acquire a new one because they have to go yes. through training and learning the role, which should take up to six months, right? Why don't they mm-hmm. just keep the internal employees happy with proper raises so they could stay longer. So why do you think that is in terms of like the general consensus of how companies do salaries? Yeah, honestly, it's something that is very confusing for me where people don't actively share salaries. Uh, At one company, I was the highest paid leader uh, manager of the group of us. And ultimately that's what 
led to me getting laid off uh, because I was the highest paid leader and they had people at such a lower rate. I mean, we're talking over $20,000 less than what I was making uh, who were supposedly doing the same work. Of course, us leaders who had more experience, uh, who were getting paid more, had done this for years. And some of these newer managers had never led an actual team. They were very much in the new, new phases of leadership. So it's a choice that companies can make that you can have these newer leaders who don't have as much experience uh, and uh, kind of bigger picture mindset. And that's okay. And that's part of why uh, I was let go as, as well as a couple other leaders. And it made sense. I was the highest paid, but it was also because of all the things I had taken on in the years of when I worked there. I did different projects. I managed other teams uh, while also managing my current team. Uh, so I wish that was more clear on paper as to say, hey, Nicole's making this salary amount and it's because she's working on all these different projects. And so-and-so is making this amount because she's also working on these other projects. Uh, I get where that can be a little bit uh, gray area because how do you uh, quantify what dollar amount you should make for each project and what have you? But maybe companies could come to more of a consensus of, hey, if this is a three-month project and you're working on it, you get an automatic bonus of this amount if it's a great outcome or what have you. I think that could help a lot more with internal satisfaction of team members because you're right. When we go to hire these people, especially in the market right now, you might have to hire someone at a higher rate than you normally had gotten your person who's already there and currently happy. Maybe. We don't know. Are they happy? Um, so figuring that out and then talking to those internal people or if you're one of those internal people and they're bringing more people in and you know that they're at a higher rate than you, go and talk to your manager and say, hey, I know so-and-so recently got hired. Uh, can you tell me why their salary is so significantly different than mine? Because think about it as internally, you can grow and learn different knowledge, which is great. Um, externally, the one benefit that you have that maybe someone has over you is that they might have years of experience, let's say in a leadership position and they're coming over. So all they have to learn is the actual product. Uh, that can be a different kind of talk of, okay, they were hired in at this higher rate because they have all this experience. I think experience is huge in the workforce, uh, diverse experience. So I do think that that can come into play as to say, hey, if this person has 10 years of experience and this person has one, we like where they're both coming from. Uh, we both think they could offer great value to the company, but I would be more open to paying someone who's had much more experience and can mentor that person who's been in leadership for one year. Uh, I, I do think those salaries can be different and that can be have an explanation around it. The struggle that I think a lot of companies have is that there isn't a lot of concrete evidence as to why some people get paid more than others. Uh, so that I think is scary for them to want to start opening up and talking about because then that could potentially put them into some hot water uh, as to why there's such a gap between genders and minorities and all of the issues that we see today. 
It's kind of sad when you got paid the most in that paid band position, you take more responsibilities. But when it comes time to do pay cuts, they just look at the ones that make the most and then they cut them regardless of what they've done or what they're currently doing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a blow for sure. And it was never explicitly explained as that. Uh, but there was no other conversations that I had had with my leader that led me to believe that I was struggling. I was one of the top performers of our team. So that's the only thing I could make sense of that top three people that made the most were the ones who got laid off. Um, there were a couple who were at similar pay bands, but, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I could put to make sense in my head was that we were making significantly more than these other leaders. So can you tell me when you finally put in your notice, what was the reaction with the executives or founder? Yeah, I gave pretty advanced notice. Um, So when I was about to go on maternity leave is when I said that I wasn't going to come back full time. So they were aware of that, that they'd have to offload those responsibilities for me. Uh, And then when I did come back from maternity leave, I was very clear and to not get into that same cycle of helping out in different areas. I had to stay clear of this is what I'm currently working on. I'm not going to be taking on additional tasks. Uh, because this is what I'm working on. And uh, at some point, I think it was a couple months because they had mentioned the clawback, they didn't actually include that in my, my maternity leave policy. But for my own, again, integrity, I felt like I needed to stay at least, you know, 13 weeks or what have you after I had my daughter and uh, put in the time. So to say, I was certainly not stoked about working with the company at that point, uh, but still putting forth my best effort at that time. And then um, part of that as well, when you're working hourly in customer service and you're not on an actual schedule because it wasn't that busy. So it was like, hey, clock in when you get an email. Well, most emails only take a few minutes to reply to, maybe 10, maybe 20. So I had all these small periods of time uh, or I'd get a Slack message and I'd go hop on the Slack. And I felt like my energy was being so drained, even though I was working on the clock only a few hours a week. But really, I was constantly attached to my email, constantly checking to see if there was something new, constantly checking my Slack. And I felt like how I'm not getting paid to be here and available. I'm only getting paid for my time to respond. And it was still at that much lower rate because don't worry, because I started working less in responsibilities, they also docked my pay, uh, which was another uh, blow. But uh, at one point I said, you know what, I'm going to start looking for other opportunities And, uh, I set a date, I ended up staying there for almost an entire extra year, but I was very much, uh, extremely part-time and pretty checked out from there. So uh, I, I did stay there for almost an extra year on top of that, uh, while looking for other things, but it wasn't something that I was doing full time. If that was the case, I certainly would have honestly used my entire maternity leave to look for, uh, other jobs. And that is that was the biggest thing was when I got back from maternity leave and started doing the work, uh, it was another verbal agreement that I was going to stay at the same rate. And then it was when I came back that they said, um, no, we're actually going to dock your pay by this amount. So that's when, again, it was one of those things that had I known beforehand, I would have actually used my maternity leave to look for another job 
and um, something that was flexible work from home while and then quit much sooner. Yeah. So what was the reaction when you handed in your notice? Like what was their reaction? Like, sure. Like, yeah. I didn't to, get like... to that. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. We can this out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, he, he was understanding. Uh, I, I felt like I was very clear how, how I was feeling. Uh, I was, I did share that along the way. Uh, so it wasn't a huge surprise. Uh, they were sad to see me leave, uh, asked if they could reach out if there were certain things. And I said, sure, like if you want to hire me as a consultant for different things, but I'm not going to be extremely available uh, just for the sake of being available. Uh, so they were very understanding. And uh, it again, like I said, we're still friends to this day. So uh, things are all good. I don't like to burn bridges, even though as you can hear my frustration through my experience, uh, it sucked at, at points. And I was very frustrated at one point, you know, I did drive home crying. I was upset that I was being treated this way after being told that you're so great. So don't, don't let the lip service dictate, uh, how you're doing. Also make sure that it's coming back to saying, Hey, you, you're always saying how great I am. I'd love to see what that looks like in terms of a pay increase. All right. So tell us more about your next opportunity and where you are now in your career. Sure. Yeah. So I feel like I've had such a, a unique journey of growing into different leadership positions along the way and certainly having ups and downs. Uh, and that was certainly one of them was working at that company, going through different ups and downs with pay and and workload and all the things. Uh, so what I started doing, uh, especially during that last year when, when I was pregnant as well, was looking into uh, helping other women in the workplace. And I launched a podcast uh, all about helping women to get promoted at work and taking on clients, helping women go through, uh, hopefully avoid some of the things that I've gone through in my experience and helping people have uh, more clear communication, help women have more confidence when they're approaching these conversations uh, because it can be a little bit scary. You don't want to burn bridges or get fired, right? So we get scared to have these conversations. Uh, so I currently work part-time at very, very part-time uh, for a uh, ed tech company uh, where we help offer ongoing uh, education for uh, instructors or teachers. And I love that. My, the CEO of the company is absolutely amazing. Uh, the, the guidance and mentorship that I get from him is phenomenal. And I love the relationship that we've built over the last year and a half. Uh, I also work full time for a data tech company and uh, it's in the trucking industry. So that's new and interesting to me, but lots of fun. Uh, I manage an inbound support team uh, handling any issues that are coming through on the platform and uh, have been there only for a few months, but I really enjoy that as well. So I call myself multi-passionate because I love working full-time. I love doing the little stuff on the side uh, for that part-time position and then uh, growing my own kind of coaching business and what that looks like, uh, mostly being a support to women in the workplace. And the whole reason why I started a podcast was because there wasn't a voice like mine for women who have struggled through some of these things and having these vulnerable conversations around uh, some of the stuff that we go through that's different than anyone else might experience. 
So what have you learned in that company that you had these issues with to now? Like, what have you brought on to these roles so it doesn't happen to you again? Definitely. Uh, honestly, the fact that both of them, I mean, one's a little bit younger, of course, than the other. The one that I work really part time uh, is a really, really young company, but he treats us so well. So making sure that the communication is out there. Am I getting what I'm looking for? Uh, do I have a good relationship with this leader to make sure that they know that I can only take on so many things? And uh, I really appreciate the leader who I have, who every one-on-one -on -one he starts, hey, what's your, what is your workload looking like? Uh, what is your bandwidth like? Because they know I have a full-time job and that this is something that I do to help support because I just love the company and uh, the team I work with. Uh, so that's all there, the foundational stuff of making sure that they respect me and that they they want me to be there and so they want to treat me well. Uh, I'm still really new at my other company working full-time, uh, but again, having those clear uh, communication guidelines and making sure, am I doing what's expected of me at this time? Do you expect me to be taking on more? Having those conversations proactively shows that you have that self-awareness. Uh, so just growing in that as well and recognizing a little bit sooner when it's time to kind of draw the line. Uh, I had said, oh, I'll see if like, oh, that was one experience, you know, we'll get over it. I'll end up getting paid more or this will happen or this will happen. And I feel like what I went into was several of those where I said, oh my gosh, like that happened again, but it's not going to happen again. And I'm, I am going to get that bonus, right? I worked so hard and then I was told, nope, we're not going to give you any sort of a bonus. So uh, recognizing when people are saying things, but not following through on them and kind of, and setting a boundary, like at what point do you start looking for something else? Because I promise you there is so much more out there that where other companies will treat you better or in whatever thing that you're looking for, you will get that somewhere else if you're not getting it where you're at now. So you kind of already touched upon this right now. In a summary view, what advice and guidance can you provide for professionals working at these companies? Like what are some signs that it's just lip service and they're not going to actually help you grow and give you the right compensation? And how long of a leash should you have at these companies before it is time to move on? Yeah. Uh, so having conversations, building relationships is like number one for me, uh, depending on how big your company is, having those conversations. If you feel like, wow, I was told that this was going to happen and then I, it didn't actually happen. Maybe that's a fluke. Uh, maybe something did happen where you didn't get to end up taking on that project, even though they said that they nominated you or what have you. Uh, so you're, you're feeling like you believe them. You want to believe the best. I always say, assume the best in people. Uh, well, what happens when you're like, Hmm, I don't know if they actually are having my back. That's when you start having conversations with other colleagues and say, Hey, have you ever had an experience? Maybe it's with the same leader. Maybe it's with a different leader. Is that only with your current boss? Is that with someone else? Is that company wide? What does that look like? And figuring out how to have conversations around that to get a better feel. Uh, was it a one-off or are multiple people experiencing this? Uh, you can also look at things like glass door reviews. Uh, I feel like those are definitely a little bit more heavy on the, hey, I didn't like my job and I'm going to go uh, share, like maybe rant a little bit about my experience. So take that with a grain of salt, but that can also help add some context if you're like, wait a second, am I the only one this is happening to? 
go ask for advice to other people in other industries. I, I always recommend expanding your network. So if I work for a call center, uh, I'm going to go find people on LinkedIn, maybe who work for a different call center and start building connections and say, Hey, I just have some questions for you. Like, what is, what is this typically like at your job? Or what is this experience like for you? And, and kind of getting a feel for each other and building more of that uh, camaraderie within other departments and other companies uh, can really help you say, oh, wow, um, my company responds like this when this happens. And that doesn't feel very good. You're saying your your company doesn't react like that and they're more understanding or empathetic or whatever have you, then you're like, maybe I, I do need to start looking at something else. So uh, it's having that awareness and uh, kind of that gut feeling of, does this feel like it was a one-off or does it feel like I'm actually being strung along and only told what I want to hear and nothing's actually following through. Uh, as far as a, how long do you let that happen? It, again, is up to you. Some people get really comfortable and that's why we have such a hard time in, in leaving companies. And that's why there's so many disengaged employees that are really like hurting the workforce, but I don't blame you. I've been one myself. Uh, but it's figuring out kind of where you're at and, you know, do you want to stay where you're at and kind of stay at this steady realm of things? Or do you want to be challenged and learn and grow and have additional opportunities? Uh, because if that's the case, the best way you're going to continue to get raises is by actually considering new job opportunities every couple of years. You're going to get a higher return on your uh, salary or hourly wage if you're moving to other companies and continuing to grow in, in the industry, in your role, in your abilities and skills uh, by moving to these other companies every, every two to three years. Great. And I want to end this podcast episode with you with one last question. So my podcast is about helping professionals overcome career challenges and obstacles to get to where they want to go. So for you, what was one big career lesson that you've learned and how it helped you grow and become the person you are today? Yeah, one big lesson I would say is learning how to say no in the right way. Uh, so the experience that I had as a new leader was that I was taking on so many things. I felt like I had to say yes to everything everyone was saying. And uh, my, my experience was that I had a team leader, a colleague who was a really good friend of mine. Uh, she went out on maternity leave and needed help. So what did I do? I took on all of her work. So I had like almost 50 uh, team members who were reporting to me uh, through that time. And I certainly wasn't getting everything done because that was way too many people. So I was going through all of that. And uh, when she got back from maternity leave, I thought, oh, I also want to still remain helpful. And so I am going to uh, take on some additional tasks for her as she continues to get back. Well, she kind of took advantage of my help and uh, started going out and kind of advocating for herself in these other ways. And when it came to getting promoted for another uh, leadership position, she was chosen over me because I was in the background and I just had my head down doing a lot of the work behind the scenes. Her own manager didn't know that I was doing her work uh, because she wasn't out there saying, hey, Nicole's helping me with all these things so that I can be out here doing all these other things. Uh, the perception was that I was just hanging out in my little cubicle uh, doing who knows what, right? Uh, 
So uh, being being okay to say no and to kind of set those boundaries has been huge in my career of when when I'm taking on more and what that looks like and when I am feeling confident to say no. Thanks, Nicole. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time to educate my listeners on how to get paid what they're worth and signs of a bad work environment. So how can people connect with you to learn more about your career story and how you can help them grow their career? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much, Max. This has been so much fun. Uh, so you can reach out to me. Uh, best place is probably my website, which is NicoleHarrop.com. Uh, I'm also pretty active over on Instagram at Nicole.Harrop. But you can find most of the things like my podcast or different articles that I write. If you like to follow along uh, with those as well, you can uh, find that all on my website. Great. Thanks a lot, Nicole, and enjoy the rest of your year. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you again to Nicole for sharing her story in where she was wearing too many hats and getting paid pennies. It's unfortunate that there are companies out there that take advantage of their employees and not reward them correctly. So I hope her story can make you more aware in your work environment on when you are getting taken advantage of. The work that you do should be a part of your life. It shouldn't be your life. So I truly believe that finding career self-fulfillment is a balancing act between doing good work, being rewarded correctly, while also having a life outside of work that you enjoy. And this episode should give you some insights on finding red flags of a toxic work environment that overworks their staff. And if you are currently in a work environment, such as what Nicole had went through, I hope you start planning a job search strategy so you can move to a company that appreciates you and rewards you for your hard work. If you want to hear my own personal insights on this topic, make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday on all popular podcast platforms. Again, if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, this is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.